0: Our hearts, Amen. Same God's Spirit is here. Let's be aware of His presence. And uh, thanks, Richard. Thanks, mate. I thought I'd bring my own drink up and not share it around with everybody else. <laughs> That's really good. It's a good morning, isn't it? Wow, we've had such a good morning already, and um, <clears throat> I'm very expecting about what God's going to still do. <sighs> Let's get going. Let's, um, I just want to start in prayer as well, so we just focus right and then get on with this. Let's pray. Lord, we just, um, we just bring ourselves to you. Um, you are here. As we were having a prayer time this morning, somebody mentioned about the, your train fills the temple. You are here with us and um spirit is amongst us and in us you god are here and we say thank you just blows me away that you are here lord please work through me and be with the words i have to say let me hear you and listen to you as i even speak let the all of us sit here and hear your word and let it minister to our soul let us have a a revelation from you, an encounter with you, a touch from you, whatever that is, Lord. I know you are wanting to do that this morning, and you already have this morning. I've seen it happen this morning, and you've got more for us, as that lady was prophesying. So we say thank you for that, Lord. We pray this in your Son's name. Amen. Um, I wanted to start with this message to say it's rated P.E. It's going to be passionate and it's going to be emotional, all right? So if I bring out my hanky, it's not to blow my nose, it's probably because I am emotional. This is a very emotional subject for me this morning. Um, It just, I didn't even know I was actually, I knew I was preaching this week, but I didn't know actually I was preaching on this topic and at first I didn't think it was going to happen and then once I got into this week... And I knew this is what God wanted to speak on. It was like, God, you've just kind of like lined me up. And um, even, even this week, it, like yesterday, there was things that I was just wasn't sitting right. And this morning, it just clicked. And um, I don't know about you guys who also preach. Some of your best points come while you're in the shower. So I'm showering away and I'm crying, you know, because God's revealing things to me. There was a young man in the early 90s, he uh, was about 20 years old, maybe 22, just married. He had a mullet, blonde hair wasn't me. All I did. <laughs> that's right. I did have blonde hair then, but I didn't have a mullet. I don't think I did, Jen. No. Not at that stage of my life. Yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I'll keep moving. And anyway, so he was a young married man, and he came from Dingley. And if you know anything about Melbourne, Dingley's quite an affluent suburb, you know, it's just outside Dandenong, all the lower income people lived in Dandenong, and if you were lower than that, you lived in Dufton, okay, and isn't that right, Kim, and and then there's also, but if you wanted to get out of that, you went to Dingley, and he came from Dingley, and he was a very, uh, just an average kid, but a well-to-do kid, and um, he uh, married a girl from Mornington. She came from a very good side of Mornington and uh, didn't have kids at that stage. And God called them. God pressed on their heart. This young couple, blonde hair, mullet, she had the, the, the teased hair, do. Okay? So not like what God called them to do. He called them to set up a house in Frankston North, the Pines, okay? We would call it other parts of Colac, possibly. Um, It was the rough area, okay? Nobody wanted to go to Monterey Tech School, okay? That was in the Pines because it was the wrong end of Frankston. But God called them to go there. And uh, this young couple were called there and they set up a house for people who were disadvantaged, the poor, people who just didn't fit in, whatever, had no training, real training, didn't go to university, didn't go to college, just felt the call of God in their life, took the step out, and they did it. And I remember going to their house and seeing their lounge room with about five Maori guys sleeping on the floor and a dog, okay? There was a big Alsatian dog. And this couple were in the right spot. God had called them and they were moving in the right spot. We're going to hear more about them in a minute. There's another person I know. I met them probably nine years ago in the Philippines. This person, this lady, was just a member, but probably what you would call an elder kind of like member, a more, you know, like a Mike or a Selwyn kind of member. Wasn't the pastor, but was a key leader, was probably the best word for it. And this lady, when we got there, that that year was told that her minister is moving on to plant a new church she hadn't been trained how to be a church uh, to look after a church she hadn't been told how to do it he just said i feel god calls me to do that and here's the church 10 people six kids she can't make ends meet can't grow enough rice husband has to work on a tricycle she is poor and she is a pastor. We'll talk more about her in a minute. Last person lives in Colac, attends a church in Colac. One day, a minister older than me, mustache, in a church similar to this, without the extension, stands up one day and says, I'm looking at a missionary trip over to the Philippines. Who's interested? Some people are interested. This one lady talks to her husband because her husband knows that she should go and she knows that she should go as well. So one day she goes, I'm going to go. And she goes to the Philippines with this pastor and his wife. He's got a moustache and green hair. I'm not giving any names away here, of course, if you hadn't noticed. She goes overseas. Somebody just found out who it was. (laughs) Ask Andrew later on. And she goes there and she goes to a children's home. She sees 20 children and knows this is what God wants her to do, is to somehow connect, change, be an advocate of change in these children's lives. We'll talk about her in a moment as well. Today's message, if you want to have a title for it, is Be an Advocate of Change. Or be a change agent. If you look at Nehemiah, and we've been tracking with him, when I was saying this to Andrew the other day, this, this section almost feels like it's just dropped in the middle of two chapters. Four and six need to be stuck together, and, and that flows on nicely. But five, why is five there? And then I, it dawned on me. Nehemiah was a change agent. He was an advocate of change. Not only did he do physical change, but we're going to see today that he changed like a a social change, an injustice change. He changed that area. And that's as important as the physical change. Not only did he build a wall, as I said, he also changed things socially. In his own society, he changed it from within. And that sometimes is harder to change it for when you go overseas and change it that way. So let's read Nehemiah chapter 5 and um, I'm going to pull a few things out of it and then we're going to apply it back to ourselves. So Nehemiah chapter 5. Okay. About this time, some of the men and their wives raised a cry of protest against the fellow Jews. They were saying, we are such large families, we need more food to survive. Others said, we have mortgaged our fields, vineyards and homes to get food during the famine. And others said, we have had to borrow money on our fields and vineyards to pay our taxes. We belong to the same family as those who are wealthy and our children are just like theirs, yet we must sell our children into slavery just to get enough money to live. We have already sold some of our daughters and we are helpless to do anything about it. Our fields and vineyards are already mortgaged to others. When I heard their complaints, I was very angry. After thinking it over, or pondering is the, um, in the NIV, I spoke out against these nobles and officials. I told them, you are hurting your own relatives by charging interest when you borrow money. Then I called a public meeting to deal with the problem. At the meeting, I said to them, we are doing all we can to redeem our Jewish relatives who have had to sell themselves to pagan foreigners, but you are selling them back into slavery again. How often must we redeem them? And they had nothing to say in the defence. Then I pressed further, what you are doing is not right You should not walk, should you not walk in the fear of God in order to avoid being mocked by enemy nations. I myself, as well as my brothers and my workers, have been lending the people money and grain, but now let us stop this business of charging interest. You must restore the fields and vineyards, olive groves and homes to them, This very day and repay the interest you charge when you lent them the money, grain, new wine and olive oil. They replied, we will give back everything and demand nothing more from the people. We will do as you say. Then I called the priests and made the nobles and the officials swear to do what they had promised. I shook out my folds of my robe and said, if you fail to keep your promise, May God shake you like this from your homes and from your property. The whole assembly responded, Amen. And they praised the Lord. And the people did as they had promised. For the entire 12 years that I was governor of Judah, from the 12th year to the 32nd year of the, king, uh, of the reign of King Xerxes, neither I nor my f- uh, officials drew on our official food allowance. The former governors, in contrast, had laid heavy burdens on the people, demanding a daily ration of food and wine, besides 40 pieces of silver. Even their assistants took advantage of the people. But because I feared God, I did not act that way. I also devoted myself to working on the wall and refused to acquire any land. And I I required all my servants to spend time working on the wall. I asked for nothing, even though I regularly fed 150 Jewish officials at my table, besides all the vi- visitors from other lands. The provisions I paid for each day included one ox, six choice sheep or goats, and a large number of poultry. And every 10 days we needed a large supply of all, of all kinds of wine. Yet I refused to claim the governor's food allowance because the people already, already carried a heavy burden. Remember, oh my God, all that I have done for these people and bless me for it. I love Nehemiah. I think he is such a leader. I think he is such an example um, on how we can live. As I said, I'm going to just pick out a few things, tease a few things and then refer it back to us. So remember last week we, heard, we were hearing about the wall and how the wall's been built and how basically Nehemiah had families looking after certain sections of the wall. And if there's, and there's if I'm right, another two or three messages prior to that, so get them on CD or podcast and listen to that. And then we're going to continue that on next week. So this was all happening when, while the wall was being built, the Jewish people were actually enslaving their own people. They were making their own people. Um, selling them off or selling things so they could actually have money. Now, Nehemiah saw that, and in verse 7 and 8, he saw that and he was angry. He was angry. And then in verse 7, it says it differently in 7 here, um, in the NIV, after thinking it over, I like it how it has it in the NIV, it says, he pondered over it, he was thinking about it. I dare say he went to God and said, God, what do you want me to do about this? I'm angry, I'm upset, this is making my blood boil, what do you want me to do? I'm thinking about it, I'm pondering about it. And then he took action. In verse 7, it says, he spoke against the nobles. And again, the NIV, it says, he rebuked them and he accused them which I think is a little bit more forceful than he spoke out against them. He rebuked them. He accused them. He got in their face. He was angry. He went to God with it. And then he rebuked them. He accused them. And then he continued on. After accusing them and rebuking him, he married the leaders in verse 12. He told them what to do, but then in verse 12... He goes, um, then the priests and the officials and the nobles made them, he made them swear, and in the NIV, they had to take an oath. So there's a process there. He was angry. He was pondering about it. Then he dealt with it. He talked to them. He accused them. He rebuked them. He had words with them, and he told them what to do. And they did it. And then he got the officials together. He got the key leaders together, and he said, okay, I want you to swear an oath. This is serious. I want you to swear an oath about it. And they did. Now, it doesn't stop there. It wasn't like Nehemiah was like a coach of a football team and gets in the face and he says, just do it, get in there and get it done, okay? And then he gets off the field and he sits up in the box and he sees the players play. No, 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 Nehemiah wasn't like that. Because then you read in verse 10... His officials, and probably even himself, he was doing that. Then he says, They've been doing the same, but let's stop this business of charging interest. He knew it was wrong. He told his officials he knew that it was wrong. And he goes, We're going to stop doing that. I'm going to stop doing that. I'm not going to do it anymore. But it didn't finish there, he did more. He added to it. And if you read in verse 14 and 15, he says he didn't want to tax them anymore. He had a right to tax them. He had a right to basically um, to take money from them because that's what was given to him by the, the king. He was allowed to do that, but he chose not to. Just a side note, what are things that we have a right to do? We say, I'm right, I've got the right to do this and I'm going to do this. But you pull back and you say, no, I'm not going to do that because God's showing me a different way. What's a different way that God wants you to go? Anyway, Back to the main message. Not only did he not tax them, he kept working on the wall. He was on there. It wasn't like, okay, no more taxes, okay, that's fine. But hey, I'm being really nice, I'm being really good. You guys work on the wall, I'd like to see it happen. I'll stand back here. No, he was on the wall as well. He was working with them. And then what he was given he shared it with as many people as he could he knew he was blessed he knew he had stuff given to him because of his position because where he lived who he was and he was willing to share that to with as many people as possible wow doesn't that sound a bit like us in the western world We have been given so much, given heaps, just because we live in this country. Who does God want us to share that with? With how many people? Anyway, back to the message. As I said, Nehemiah, he called it out. Not only did he call it out, what was wrong, he called them out. He wasn't ambiguous and say, there's slavery happening here and we're abusing, there's some people possibly abusing people. No, he went to his own people and said, you are doing that. You are doing that. He called them out. He was direct. Says so in verses 6 and 7. But rather than just calling them out, he just didn't leave them high and dry. He gave them an action plan. He created action. And then he made others responsible as well. Not only them, but himself. He would have been one of these key leaders that would have made that oath, had to swear that oath. And then he did more than that. He did more than that. All right, let's bring that back to us a bit. Because... I can see the clock, we're getting close to the 12 o'clock, so I'm very mindful of that. So I want to bring it back to us. Those stories, remember the, the mullet head blonde guy with his wife, Mari sleeping on the floor, dog, Alsatian, sleeping there as well, Frankston North, early 1990s. They felt God wanted them to do something. They saw something that they knew was wrong. And nobody was looking after these people and chose to do something. Made it happen. They saw the same with slavery in Thailand, in Bangkok. Picked up his family, moved to Bangkok and lived there for 12 years. Worked with illegal refugees from um, Burma. Worked with sex slaves. Worked with the third sex person, doesn't know if you know knows a man or a woman, worked with people with HIV problems. They saw a problem, they looked at it, they saw it, God burned it in their heart, or as Jenny would love to say, it scarred their heart, and they acted. And now they're in London doing the same in one of the streets that everybody, or a neighbourhood or an area, that everybody in England laughs at because they're bogan, because these people are nobodies. Nobody cares for them, nobody loves them. But these couple, Ash and Ange Barker, love them. Take the lady in the Philippines. So I saw her in 19, about seven, eight years ago. Ten people, six kids. Well, Nellie and Deanne and Josiah saw her two years ago. And Matt and Chris saw her only a month ago. She has a church now of over 60 people. She has a youth group of about 40. Kids program, who knows? There's always kids in the Philippines, as you know. And they minister to that. This church supports her. We support her individually, Jenny and I. Now that's really good and we need to do that and we will do that more and more and more. But what I'm getting there is something in Jean, Pastor Jean. She has left the church. Somebody had to do something. So I will. I'll look after the church. I've never been trained. She had never gone to Bible college. She's doing it now at the age of 52, going to Bible college. Never done that. Just saw a need. Saw it wasn't right and did something about it. And if you talk to Deanne and Nellie, and Nellie, sorry, over there, I thought you were there with the youth, and uh, Matt and Chris when they come back, what an amazing work she does there. I was there only a month ago, we did some great times there, it was really fun, um, good ministry times, her church is not finished yet, because it got hit by a typhoon last year and we're rebuilding it and Need some more help in that way. Her sleeping on a dirt floor, tarpaulin over her head. Toilet, which is a hole in the ground. The seat's about that high off the ground. Big fat, white person like me can't sit on a toilet like that. I'm going to the toilet, and the wall comes to about there on me. So I'm standing there going to the loo, and I can see people walking past me. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> All right. You know, fantastic. I could say more, but I won't, I'll move right along. (laughs) Um, So there's Jean, and the beauty of her is before we go, she gives me bottles of honey, and she gives me fresh coconuts, and she gives me sticky rice um, packages to eat on the bus on the way home so I don't get car sick. Has nothing, really absolutely nothing. And I can't tell her that I can't bring it back to Australia. I can't bring live, real coconuts back to Australia through my suitcase. You know, but she gives. She gives back to us. As Jean. This lady from a church in Colac, moustache guy, older, blonde hair kind of thing, in a church similar to this without the extension. This lady goes to the Philippines, sees a children's home. Well, what can I do? I'm one person. What's this? That one lady has run since then, with the help of people in this church and in Colac, in other parts of Victoria, children's camps. And as you probably know, one happened two years ago, where there was 21 of us who went overseas. We ran a children's camp for how many kids was it? Way too many. Okay, thanks for Aaron Bloomer who can run games. You know, way too many, but lovely kids. Sore in need. Children in the Philippines are poor as poor can be. There are pastors there who are working hard to make a difference. We are connected to pastors there, not only in the Philippines, PNG, Sri Lanka, but I'm speaking in the Philippines because that's where God has put me. We're making a difference there, but these pastors are working hard. They see a need, they see a problem, and they do something about it. What social issue? What injustice? What corruption? What things that you look at and you say, it's just not right? that burns in your soul, in your heart, in your gut. What makes your blood boil? What is it? And if you're sitting there and saying, well, sorry, nothing really does that to me, then check your pulse, because you're probably dead. All right? Or you might be unconscious. Or seriously, you just might be numb. I was sharing with Andrew this morning, this, on Friday about this, and I said, you see so many images of things and bad things and things that are wrong, and you do get numb to it. And I pray that every time I go over there, I don't become numb to what's happening there, that it burns my heart, it scars my heart, that I'm not different. That, sorry, That the thing is, it burns and scars my heart that, that I am different. And people say to me, do you want to get back to normal? I say, no, I want it to scar my heart. I want it to burn my heart. The thing that God's scarring your heart or burning your heart can be small. It could be just saying, my next door neighbour is just having a hard time. They might not be poor, but they're having a hard time. It might be medium. It might be, hey, wait a minute. We as a state, in the state of here, we're doing something about domestic violence. Or we're doing something about helping the children who are disadvantaged. And I'm going to be part of that. Or I'm going to be part of asylum seekers. I might not be poor, but God's putting on my heart to do something about it. Or it might be big. There are 20 million children, at least, in the Philippines. Can't do every one of them, but I'm going to try and do as many as I can. I'm going to try to reach as many as I can. Did a youth camp. We only meant to have 75. We had 105. Okay, as many as we can. And as I was saying about that lady who did children's camps in the philippines the spin-off from that is people who do go there and their lives are changed people ask me to talk about the philippines and what happened i can't actually spend too much time on it because i could talk forever but one thing i want to say it was amazing to see matt go back again matt go back again stand in front of the youth that he had been with two years ago and say my life has changed i'm not the same again i'm doing more for god i'm seeing god in a new way it was amazing to see that and then I have chris at the beginning of the week or the beginning of the camp all the time couldn't share his testimony and then at the end of the time he couldn't stop sharing his testimony you know we're in china we're at the airport and he's sharing his testimony to a girl who's trying to sell him jade you know he's not going to buy jade But he's sharing his testimony because he just he just wants to and that's come from what you can do overseas see nehemiah put skin in the game he could have ignored it he could have ignored seeing what's happening he could have said no the people are going to resist me he'd seen enough prophets have that happened some of them were even killed for what they were saying and we've seen that in history. Why do it? Because it's going to hurt. I'm going to get persecuted. It's going to be tough. Why would I want to do that? It is going to be difficult. I am going to sleep on the floor for for three weeks. I am going to have a bucket shower for three weeks. It is going to be hard. They could have rejected him. But he went forward. He did what God had scarred on his heart, on his soul. See, i believe with humanitarian work it's great it needs to be done what big groups do humanitarian wise overseas i've seen it and it is necessary but it's charity it really is charity but i believe we as churches we not only do charity we need to do more we need to be advocates of change we need to be change agents Through Christ, through us, we can be advocates of change. His will and his way can change people. As we heard this morning with the testimony, God can change people physically, emotionally, intellectually and spiritually. Humanitarian charity can't do that, but Jesus Christ can. God can, and he does, and he's doing it every day. (coughs) Thanks. But the engine room is the spirit, is the spirit of God. At the youth camp I was there, and on the Thursday night, at the end of the night, seeing this happen, seeing these two teenage boys praying for each other, in tears crying because God is changing something inside them he's breaking something inside them and they're not going to be the same again they're not going to be the same again I saw a lady being delivered of a demonic presence and the next day she was a new creation the old was yesterday the new is today And they're discipling her and working with her now. That's what Christ can do. The WHO can't do it. The UN can't do it. But Jesus Christ can do it. And he will do it. Can I be bold in my last 25 minutes I have left? (coughs) Can I be bold and say, it can't just happen here. What I mean here is I mean in this place. It can't just happen at this time, Sunday morning time. It can, and God does do it now, and he wants to do it now, and he will use this place, but it's just not here in this building in this time. Where I think it happens, where it should, could, can happen, is in a coffee shop somewhere in Colac. Or in a jewellery place in Colac somewhere. Or a caravan park somewhere in Colac, Or a farm somewhere in Swan Marsh. Or a farm somewhere where, I don't know where you live in Nemo's, but somewhere down over there. Or a housewife who lives on the street behind here at Imperial Drive, okay. Or a uni student who goes to Ballarat or goes to Geelong. Or a school student who goes to Trinity or to the college here or to a children's camp that happens in Legaspi, or a youth camp that happens here, like in a few weeks' time, or in Legaspi, That's where it also happens 90% of the time. Because God is with us. He was with Nehemiah, and he will be with us in those times to have social justice, to have a social change. God and Jesus and his Spirit will be there to help us fight social injustice. To fight these problems that are on your street. They're happening on your street today, this week. They're happening in our town now. They're happening in our shire. They're happening in our state. They're happening in our country. They're happening in our world on our watch. It's happening now while we are here last two points and then I'll finish interesting points about this with Nehemiah was as I said he called it out and he took action as we've just heard the last thing that Nehemiah did I realized about Nehemiah was he directed it directly to his people he wasn't talking about the Gentiles wasn't talking about the Ammonites or the whatever, or his enemies or whatever. He was talking to his own people. He was talking, if I could be blunt, to his own church, his own group, his own folk, his own small group, his own. He said of his own people, they created the poverty. They created the bondage. They turned a blind eye when this was happening and did nothing. What social justice, social injustice, what corruption, what things that you look at and say it's just wrong that's burning in your soul that's burning in your heart that's burning in your gut who is god putting on your heart that needs to be liberated needs to be changed and needs to be freed because in christ and through christ they can change and he wants to use you to make that happen, he wants to use me to make that happen. Well, let me say it in a different way. Who are you, or who am I?" saying, "I just can't liberate that person." Or saying, or I'm saying, "I just don't want to free that person." or you could be saying or I'm saying I don't know how or like me when I was in the Philippines this last time I had to share with Joe I said why would God want to use me why me why why would he want to use me and talking to Joe I can see the spirit move through you you lay hands on people and people are healed. There's a prophetic word here. There's a word of knowledge there. Why me? Why on earth would you use me? And I had to come back and say, God wants to choose, God chooses, Jesus chooses to use me. He wants to use me. He chooses to use you. And he wants to use you it's his desire it's the how again i could give you a list of organizations that you can connect to i could give you people to connect to so could andrew but like nehemiah he had to share what he had he not only shared it but he gave it away freely and then on top of that, he sacrificed. He put skin in the game. His reputation, who he was, what he had, he put it in the game. For some of you, God has shown you what he wants you to do. I had it early this year. I was like, yeah, God, you showed me. I'm just not going to face up. I'm not going to get in the game. Sorry, I'm not. And you might be the same. But let God reignite that fire in you. Let God rekindle that fire in you. And like me, how did I do that? How did I do that? I went back into his word. I went back into his word and said, what does that say to me? Went back into basically praying more. And he showed me. He showed me what's the things that scars my heart. What are the things that is burning in my soul? And he rekindled that, he reignited that. And in the Philippines, it was a fire, it was a flame, and I pray, and I hope, and I say in front of you that I continue to do that, that I continue to have that passion, that fervour, that emotion, to say, we can do something. We can make things happen. We can be a change agent. We can be an advocate of change through Christ and in Christ, we can make this happen. Jesus can free the people who are slaves, who are oppressed, who are vulnerable and poor. He can do that in Colac. He can do this in the state that we're in. He can do that around the world. He has the ability, he wants to, and he wants to use you. He wants to use me. And he wants to do it now. He wants to do it today. I just want everybody to stand up. I want you to think about this. We'll just close our eyes and pray. But I just want you to stand up. And if Joe, if I could have you come forward. I just want us to pray. Just don't break the, the time. Just close your eyes. And I'm just going to say it again. What is it in your life, closing your eyes and just spending some time with God, What is it in your life that God has put on your heart that you just know that's an injustice, that's wrong? That person is oppressed. That person is being not looked after. It's just downright wrong. (coughs) What has he scarred your heart with? What are the things that are burning in your soul? And you know it's from God. If you've been sitting on it, God might want to, He wants to rekindle that. He wants to re, reignite that. So you can be a change agent. You can be an advocate of change. In Colac, in this state, in this world. Lord, I pray. That's just not my words lord that it's your words working inside people now there are things that you are impressing on their heart now that you want them to do something about not for my sake not for andrews or selwyn's or mike's but for their own sake for your sake and for the people that they could reach sake Lord, we know this is not a guilt trip, Lord. We know that you are giving us a calling or a presence or a knowing of what to do. Lord, I pray that we just don't let it sit on the side. But Lord, I pray that it comes front and centre in what we do, in what we focus on, that we focus on you, that you want us to do, a, be a change agent, to change things, Lord, I pray if there's anybody in this room this morning who wants to be like that, who've let it die to the side or just realised, God, you've put this on my heart and you're going to help me do this. Let's go. If that is one, if somebody's there, Lord, I pray that, can we pray for them? Let them come forward so we can pray for you. Again, that doesn't make it magical or whatever, but it does mean you are serious. It means you're saying, God, you have touched my heart, you are scarred my heart, there is a fire in my heart, and you want, to, want me to do something. There's an action plan. There's a word I need to say. There is some something that I need to give. You are showing that me now, showing to that to me now. So if that's you this morning, I pray you come forward. Let us pray for you. I pray that you make that decision to do something, to be a change agent. Lord, I also pray if there are people who have been doing it for a while, and I can put my hand up for this. You sometimes just run out of energy. You just get tired. Lord, I pray that we can pray for people this morning. They can have a a renewing, a refreshing, a revitalization of their spirit. Of that calling, of that fire, that, that it's I can feel the spirit just fill them up again so they can go again for this week. That they can go again, do what you have asked them to do. And they can do it with passion, they can do it with energy and an emotion, and they can do it with your love, with your heart, with your words. Lord, I just pray for those people. If you need to be prayed for for a refreshing, a renewing, come forward. And let us pray for you. Let us spend some time with you. And you can spend some really great time with God right now. I just pray that. If we can have the band to finish that last song, while we can pray for some people, it'll be great. Oh, Jesus. just finish by singing holy spirit again um again if if you've got that burning in your heart and you've not come up the front yet i want to welcome you up the front we want to be able to pray with you and and to be able to equip you and send you out um because god wants to encounter with his people and he does that through his people um if it's i know it's a bit late if you have a lunch you need to go to feel free to leave hope you have a great week but we're just going to sing this last song holy spirit